Herbert, uh, who's in my upper left-hand screen, uh, magically changed the same backscape as Gretchen had before. So hopefully we'll get the two of you on side by side here before the end of the day again. Um, but I love Roger's CV. Again, go look at the bios um, because his, he's had this really super distinguished career. Um, Navy SEAL, commander of SEAL groups, um, going, you know, long distinguished career in the Navy. He even is a professor emeritus at, at the Naval Academy teaching ethics. But where he really ended up was when he finally uh, qualified as a Knowles instructor. And so uh, that's now, I think, the highest level of a, of a career that has put you in Wyoming. Uh, actually working and training with SEALs and the Naval Academy through a, a program that Knowles does based out of Lander uh, working with the Naval Academy. So, um, Roger, I love the long career, but I love that you topped it out at the top with, with Knowles. Um, so tell us just maybe as you go into your discussion, just what brought you to Knowles? How did you come to Wyoming and then garner this friendship with Mandy? Well, thanks, John, and hi, everybody. Um, yeah, so Knowles, Knowles had been a dream of mine, like, for a long time. Um, it was, uh, my my version of pornography was my my Knowles catalog, which I kept next to, I would look at it and say, oh, I want to go on that class someday. I want to do this someday. And um, a friend of mine uh, who ran, ran an executive leadership expedition, and executive just means old person, um uh he said his his course wasn't full and he said would you please 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 uh and it's like yeah i i can probably squeeze it in and i did and um um and met a couple of your friends at the other end of the trail as i came out and they said why don't you try the ic and i did and um uh and i was amazed that they accepted me and i was really honored by that and then um and then yes i will say that uh, you mentioned in the beginning that Mandy was my mentor um, in that and that there was an, a huge age disparity. Um, but it, it was funny. I, it never even occurred to an age and experience dis disparity in, in just life experiences. And it never occurred to me um, because Mandy was my mentor in, in every regard there because um, she was an expert at something I wanted to become an expert in. And, um, it was really a, a wonderful, uh, a wonderful thing, and I learned so much from her and from the other instructors and from my colleagues there. And so you're kind of teasing a little bit when you're saying that Knowles is the pinnacle, but to me, that kind of seems like that way. Yeah. Hmm. Fantastic. <laughs> Why don't you take it away with um, the discussion on? Uncertainty. I think we'll follow a similar format. We'll let you get through um, the content that you've got, and then we'll do some breakout and come back. Yeah, terrific. Um, and I'm assuming my screen is up and running. If it's not, somebody yell at me. Um, of course, uh, since Mandy was my mentor, uh, she knows, obviously, that um, 
that I would be starting any conversation uh, by talking about a 19th century uh, Prussian scholar. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, it was like the 1830s 30s or so uh, that Carl uh, von Clausewitz uh, he wanted to write about war, but not like just that the, the basic um, technology of war, like most of his colleagues were doing at the time, but really get down to the essence of what war is all about. Um, and for, for Clausewitz, war is chaos. War is the ultimate realm of an uncertainty. Um, he, he wrote that, that war is very simple, but in war, the simplest things can become very difficult because of what he called the fog of war. So when you hear the fog of war, it actually came from, uh, from this guy, Kostwitz. Um, and there's really two ways of, of busting through the fog of war. Uh, and as you look at these two ways, this is really what separates out, you know, large conventional armies uh, from, uh, from special operations, which is what I did. So SEALs and, and Green Beret and stuff like that. Um, so uh, the one way that you bust through the fog of war is you just overwhelm it. Uh, you just are, are bigger and more powerful uh, than, than the other guy. Uh, and so all those little uncertainties uh, that pop up on the battlefield well, they kind of don't matter because you're just rolling right over them. Um, so I guess a good analogy is if you're Google, um, you're, you're, you're going to survive the Great Recession and you're going to survive the Great Pandemic because you're just that big and powerful. Um, but if you're a little mom and pop, you know, I mean, this is, this is a really... Uh, scary time for organizations like that. Uh, so this kind of brings us to the other way that uh, that you break through the fog of war, you break through uncertainty in the military, and that's basically um, that you cheat it. Uh, and, and you cheat it uh, by being really super flexible and by being really super creative. Um, and so what I'm going to talk about is I want to introduce four ideas or four ways uh, that perhaps you can, uh, you can cheat the fog and friction of war. Um, and I just made these up over the last like four or five days. So, <laughs> so I, I, I'm very open to, uh, to some constructive feedback at the end of it, see if I got it right. Um, so the, the first of my fourfold path to happiness in terms of flourishing in the realm of uncertainty is to hire ninjas and not samurai. And, and this is not a slam on samurai. I mean, samurai are arguably like the best, the greatest sword fighters in all of history. Um, and, and they also, by the way, are some of history's most honorable, um, warrior. So like if a samurai uh, encounters uh, his adversary uh, and the adversary is not prepared for combat, then the samurai will make sure he's got a weapon and make sure he's, you know, you, you ready to go? You ready? Ready? Okay. And then we, we, we go to war and that's, um, you know, just really honorable 
people. And so not only do samurai not tolerate uncertainty, uh, they don't even tolerate uncertainty in their in their adversary. They want their adversary to, to be in a uh, not in a in a condition, not not uh, under the fog of war. So ninjas are the opposite. Um, uh, ninjas are you know they're decent sword fighters, not quite like the samurai, uh, but they also have this broad range of capabilities. Uh, like they can do hand to hand, they can use bow and arrows. They got those little star throwy things, you know. Um, there's probably a, there's probably a technical term for that, but they've got this broad. They're not just sword fighters; they have this broad range of things. Uh, and and furthermore, they they really have no interest in a in a fair fight. So so ninjas, uh, they would attack their their adversaries, um, you know, when, where, um, and and how their target is is going to be the most vulnerable. And they do this uh, by constantly adapting their their tactics. Uh, by constantly adapting to new information as it comes in. Uh, so in short, you know, ninjas are, they're built to thrive in ambiguous um, environments and ambiguous situations. Um, to bring this a little bit into the modern context, uh, we were, uh, my, my last command tour in the Navy, I ran the, um, I ran the training for the Navy SEAL. So, kind of like the, either the famous or the infamous budge training. Um, that, that sort of the two by four across everybody's forehead. If you want to be a SEAL, you have to go through that. Um, so I was in charge of that. Um, and, you know, we would get people from various sources to go to BUDS, and a lot of them came from the Naval Academy. And it's interesting, the guys who came from the Naval Academy, these were, uh, these were awesome dudes. They were, um, they were strong, they were fast, they were smart, uh, they were typically the top graduates from the Naval Academy, uh, and yet they came to BUDS and they kind of struggled. And um, what we discovered was the Naval Academy was sending us their samurai. They're, 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 you know, these were their best guys, but they really weren't people who were adept at um, dealing with uncertainty, adept at living and tolerating and even thriving in uncertainty. So what we ended up doing was um, we would go out there. So the Naval Academy would pick th this group of people that they thought were their best people. And they were, they were all amazing. Uh, but then we would kind of narrow that down and say, well, we're not necessarily looking at just your top guys. We're looking at, we have to find the ninjas, people who are used to, um, who are okay living with a certain degree of uncertainty. Um, and by the way, samurai are probably better at just about everything else. Um, and so if you can, if you were in a position where you can hammer, uh, you can hire samurai, hire the samurai, because ninjas are a pain in the butt to work with. Um, but, um, uh, but you need them, you need them if you're in a very uncertain environment. Okay. Um, the second of the fourfold path to happiness is, I mean, I guess this applies to everybody when you're dealing with uncertainty is you, you got to plan your butt off. You have to really uh, uh, put a lot of um, time up front into your planning. Um, but you also can't fall in love with your plan if you're dealing uh, with uncertainty. Uh, you have to be able to come off your plan really quickly 
if you see that the environment you weren't expecting uh, changes. Um, my, my first time in combat was during the uh, 1989 invasion of Panama. Uh, and we had uh, planned for that. Our, our job was to capture certain high value targets. And we had planned for that for like a year and a half. Um, and uh, all the way up to the point where we did a major rehearsal on a, um, uh, like a plywood city that was built just to, to, um, uh, just to mimic the city that we would be operated in. So uh, we were really ready for this and we had planned our butts off for sure. And uh, about a half hour before we are about to launch, um, we got some new intelligence um, that our high value target had moved. So after a year and a half of planning, <laughs> we chucked the whole thing. And we're, we're literally standing around with sticks in the dirt, drawing up our new plan and going, okay, ready, ready, ready. And we are kind of laughing about it. And in fact, it kind of took the, of course, I was scared going to combat for the first time. It kind of took the edge out because it was almost comical. Uh, what had happened. But again, if we had executed the original plan, it just wouldn't have worked. Again, uncertainty, uh, the fog of war was all over that and we were able to adapt. Um, and something that's related to that is you also can't over plan. Um, and by that, I mean that in, in the realm of uncertainty, if you know you're moving, you're, you're living in this environment, you have to be able to push down planning to very low levels because you just don't know everything. You can't predict. You know you can't uh, account for everything. So you have to give your ninjas the ability to make their own decisions down at their levels. Um, and, and, and they have to feel comfortable making those decisions. Um, and you never know how low that, you know, the lowest guy in the totem pole could be that person with the right information at the right time to exploit that uncertainty um, and, and, to, uh, and to have the, um, have the knowledge, the information to, to move on and do the next thing and do the right thing. Uh, so you have to feel comfortable doing that, um, which kind of leads to number three. Um, so what, what happens if you tell your troops, okay, um, I need you to just get to this position and then make a plan. And then, you know, then you decide what to do. I mean, that's how a lot of special operations works. Um, and that's, that's that flexibility that we, can, um, uh, that we can exploit the enemy's vulnerabilities. But what happens if you tell them that um, and then they make a decision and it turns out to be a wrong decision. And then you hammer them for making the wrong decision. You know, you tell all your employees, hey, I want you to think out of the box, but the first time they think out of the box and it doesn't work out, you slam them. Nobody's gonna work out of the box. And that happens all the time. So, um, so again, the third point here is that we've got to be able as leaders in uncertain environments to forgive failure. And, and I would say um, maybe even 
to reward failure. Um, I'll tell another uh, quick C story. Um, we were, and this is not in combat, we were doing some training um, and this, this um, base commander said, hey, I, I think I've got the most secure base in the planet and I think you guys are the best infiltrators on the planet. How about if we go head to head? And so, you know, we did. Um, and actually the first time we went head to head with these guys, uh, we won. I, I couldn't believe it. I was surprised, but we effectively infiltrated um, the, the, their um, defenses. And so we told them how, and they go, oh my gosh. And, and so they fixed that. And then we tried again and they won. They, they, they detected us, they busted us. And then we tried again and they won again. And they wanted to try again. And at this point, you know, we're kind of getting punch drunk. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, hey, you got us. So, but we said, okay, we did it again. And my lieutenant, one of my lieutenants came to me and he goes, okay, here's how we're going to win. Um, and basically it was to do something that they thought was impossible. They thought that their, one of their flanks was so protected by nature, by mangrove swamps, by alligators, by snakes, um, that it was impenetrable. And, um, and so he goes, we're going we're gonna to do this. And, uh, you know, so I said, okay. And this is now a, a pretty high visibility exercise. So a lot of people are looking at this. And, um, and what happens is, you know, they are moving through this incredibly difficult terrain uh, nobody gets eaten by an alligator or a snake, but it was always kind of a problem to think about. Um, and, but it was so slow that they got to a certain point and they realized that they're not going to be able to get to the target in time. Um, so they had to then reverse course and they, they couldn't communicate with us because their communication systems had gone down somehow in this while they're negotiating this. And so they're like hours and hours late. Uh, I'm trying to think of a plan of how are we even going to recover their dead bodies um, from this operation. And um, so anyway, the bottom line is they failed. And, uh, and it was a pretty high visibility failure. And my boss actually yelled at me a little bit. Um, and I'm in my office and I'm about to meet with the lieutenant uh, who had tried his, his heart out but failed in this, this thing. And I was going, what am I going to say to this guy exactly? And my XO comes in and uh, my XO understood very well this idea of forgiving failure and maybe even rewarding it because it was such a, a, a great experience for these guys. Uh, he, he hands over four letters of commendation and he goes, here, Skipper, sign these. Uh, we, and it's like, absolutely, XO, you're exactly right. And we, mu we mustered the entire command and we gave them, uh, they were expecting to get yelled at uh, for failing their operation and, and we rewarded it. And, and that, by the way, that officer has gone on to do great things. Um, okay, um, so I've got one more uh, and that is, and, and I, I am a philosophy professor, so I have to, I have to do one thing with philosophy. Uh, that is, we, we need to embrace Epictetus. Um, and if not Epictetus, we need to embrace Jocko. So 
um, Epictetus is, uh, he was a, um, a Roman uh, philosopher. Actually, he's credited with uh, bringing back a, a, a Greek philosophy, Stoicism, and kind of making it mainstream into the Roman world. And that's why we still have it. And I mean, it's a complex philosophy, but at the core of it is just understanding what you can control and understanding what you can't control. And, it, and all of that stuff that you can't control, don't try. If you are in a, um, if you are in a, a, a complex and uncertain environment, there's just tons of stuff that you are not gonna be able to control. And you are going to be much faster and more flexible if you can identify it, you can see it and say, all right, I'm not going to worry about that. That is nothing that's going to be on my agenda. And I'm going to focus all my energies on that, which I can control. Um, I mentioned that, you know, a lot of people don't like hear, reading about, you know, dead Romans and Greeks. Um, so there's, there's another guy that I would recommend uh, who, who captures this really well. Uh, Jocko Willink has, be, has started becoming kind of like famous and people know about him um, for being just kind of a professional wacko. Uh, he is a retired SEAL captain. Um, and uh, he, he is at least as intense as that picture appears. Um, and, and he's always been that way. Uh, it's not fake. It's not phony. Uh, I was, uh, uh, he worked for me back when he was a Lieutenant JG and everything that he is and has become, um, it, it's all, it's all real. It was, it was there when he was in his twenties, uh, and it's there now that he's in his fifties. Um, and again, he captures perfectly the essence and the ideal of this stoic idea of just focusing on what you can control. Um, I tried earlier with Mandy to be able to, um, um, yeah, okay, to, to be able to, to do YouTube with this, um, and I failed. So here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to adapt because I'm that guy. I'm a ninja. And, um, and what we're going to do is I'm chatting. So everybody open up your chat room. And I just chatted um, a link. It's about two minutes. Okay, so everybody go to the link, get, get past the five second advertisement, and then watch uh, Jocko all about it. Online business. So you, need to, you need to make sure your, your mics are muted. 